It's show 58 of the RIM Pro Report. Today, Richard Harris, Managing Director of Document Management Solutions in Penrith, Australia, will join us. Plus, we'll update you on the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends over there at O'Neill Software. What impresses me about this company is not just their dedication to a great product, customer support, service, but I really love the focus they have on new development, uh, plotting new pathways into our future. So it's more than just about where you are today and having great software and great support. It's about where you need to be down the road in your future. And if you're interested in that, you can learn more about them at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, it's time. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Report, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. This show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Hey, 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 it's good to be back with you. I hope you're having a great week and uh, I'm excited to share someone with you today that has, I, I think, a pretty incredible story. Not only is it a great rim business story, but more than that, it's a great personal story. It's a family story, and uh, I think this person is someone I think you'd appreciate getting to know because he's he's one of us. He's, he's part of our industry, and yet he's done some really cool things. And uh, so Richard Harris will be on the show today, and rather than give it all away, I'm, I'm just going to let you know that he's the Managing Director of Document Management Solutions in Penrith, Australia, and that's just on the outskirts of Sydney, Australia. Uh, because he's laid, located in Australia, I took some time to sit down with him in my portable studio a couple of weeks ago at the O'Neill Software Conference and uh, had a really great conversation with him, and I want to share that one with you today. Richard is more than one of us. He's a, like I said, a rim entrepreneur, but he's also a pretty famous mountain climber, and uh, his son is too. But uh, I can't give any more than that away. We'll get to it shortly. But I first wanted to catch you up on some of the industry news this week. Again, kind of a quiet week in the rim world, but uh, it wasn't in the social media world. Uh, I don't know if you follow this at all, but for many in the industry, in our industry, who are either fully embracing social media, stepping timidly into it, or still just wondering about how to deal with it and what to do about it, your favorite engineers and visionaries at Facebook just changed the rules again. And if you're actively engaged in Facebook, you might not have seen these rollouts yet. They're coming. They're going to come fairly significantly. And uh, just when you thought you had it figured out, it seems more apparent that uh, even things like fan pages are going to go through a radical change and they're going to require that we continue to think differently about social media and its intense involvement in our lives. Facebook had 500 million users on the site in one day uh, last month and, and that's significant. That's a tenth of the world's population. Uh, the dilemma with it is that it continues to change and it continues to evolve and its evolution continues to dramatically change the way we as marketers trying to do stuff in the space uh, are affected by it. So 
Uh, I'm going to try and keep sort of up to date on that. And if I can pass that on to you, I will. Google Plus, which is uh, their major competitor, kind of beat them to the punch earlier this week or last week, actually, and opened their G Plus system up to everyone. And more than anything, I think what's beginning to happen now is, for me, it's almost like a social media fatigue. It's not that these aren't interesting, that these aren't dynamic, integrated things in so many people's lives in our world. The dilemma is, how do you keep on top of it all as a marketer? And uh, my goal is to continue to help you understand, as well as my clients clearly understand, the impact of what they should be looking at and what they should be doing. But uh, that's some news this week. Uh, Some other specific to the industry also security container company from Barrie, Ontario, continues to expand its staff. And it has, to me, been uh, exponential growth watching that company really grow over the last few years. Uh, This week, they added three new faces to their business development team. One of the new team members, Andrew Hennessy, will be actually focused in business development, specifically in the area of financing and leasing options. So congratulations to Pete and Craig and the team at AllSource for the growth in their business. Some events coming up. Nade is starting their Certified Secure Destruction Specialist Exam Training webinar on the 10th of October. Everything I've heard confirms that this is without question a valuable certification for individuals in the industry and as a result, their companies who do the certification training and become certified. This training is in prep for the next scheduled exam, which is on the 8th of December. You can learn more about that at nadeonline.org. The PRISM Data Protection Workshop is coming very quickly. It'll be held October 6th and 7th in Rosemont, Illinois. And it looks like there's going to be some uh, good stuff happening at that conference. Just over a week later, the big show, the 56th annual ARMA International Conference and Expo kicks off in Nashville, Tennessee on the 17th of October. That's always a big show. And so if you're going to that, uh, that should be interesting. Prism and Nades European Conference will be held in London, England, starting on the 7th of November. So uh, just over a month till that happens. So that's uh, that's the, the main industry news that I'm aware of. If you have any news, that you want to pass on and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to share it with me. Uh, Let me cue up the Richard Harris uh, conversation. I think this is a great one. I think you'll be intrigued by it. I think you'll be intrigued by his story. So just hang on a second. I'm going to get that set up. Here we go. This is a real pleasure for me today. I get the chance to interview Richard Harris, who's the managing director of document management solutions from Penrith, Australia. Richard's in the studio with me today, and uh, Richard, welcome. Thank you, Tom. It's uh, really a pleasure to have you here. You come, I think, from a different place, and I I first met you at the O'Neill Conference, and uh, you're, you're coming and talking about something bigger than than a record center and working in a record center, you, you've actually had this huge history in mountain climbing. So let's begin by, before we get to that and before we get to the record center stuff, tell me a little bit of your story. Um, I guess I've sort of been in business most of my life from a very young age. Yeah. Um, I, I found myself in my oh, early 30s uh, wanting to go mountaineering. Uh, I started off in rock climbing and progressed from there. And I had um, three children at the time and uh, one son in particular that took to it like I did. And uh, we took this dream, I guess, of climbing mountains a little bit bit further than most would. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my son was eight when we went in our first mountaineering course. And um, 
that was a pretty basic sort of thing to do. But we we got there at, at him at age, age eight and uh, decided that we wanted to not just climb Mount Everest but climb the highest mountain on each continent of the world. Um, and so the, t- the both of you together decided on that. Goal. Yeah, yeah. F- first father and son to ever do it was the was the plan. Um, really. Yeah. So where did this ago. come from? This out of his head or out of your head or uh, how did this show up? Well, I guess look, we were climbing the highest mountain in Australia at the time, Mount Kosciuszko, which um, yeah. it's not really that high, but it did have snow on it at the time, and we did it the hardest possible way. And uh, as an eight-year-old, he proved himself sort of way beyond anything I've ever seen an eight-year-old do. Um, tr- tremendous endurance in this young boy that we thought, well, look, look we'll just progress slowly, and uh, we'll we'll build a mountaineering career together. Uh, I guess is what we did, um, and went from from Australia, Mount Kosciuszko, over to New Zealand for a couple of mountains there. Um, at age 11, and at age 11, you know, it was quite difficult getting him into a, a national park to climb. Um, a lot of rules and regulations yeah. there, but look, we we got through it. We we, we proved that he was capable. Um, the guide at the end of it, um, who was training us in New Zealand in crevasses and all sorts of good rescue techniques. Um, said, look, hey, why don't you have a go at Mount Cook next year? You know, this was 12 months away. At age 12, we went to uh, to New Zealand to climb Mount Cook. And Mount Cook's the tallest mountain. It's the highest mountain in New Zealand. It's not one of our seven summits, but right. it's just a progressive step. And at 12 years old, um, Christopher became the youngest person in the world to climb it. Um, wow. A lot of fanfare in the media and things like that took on from there. And, um, yeah, the, the dream was alive and the sponsorship was there. And we progressed onward from there to Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, uh, Mount Elbrus in Russia, um, Mount McKinley, right. um, also Aconcagua in Argentina, and eventually we got a shot at Everest when he was 15. So you did Everest? We had a go at it, let's put it that way. We didn't quite get all the way. Okay. Uh, we had our, we had our uh, misfortunes, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we certainly had our misfortunes, but um, we had a good shot at it, um, and that's all you can ever ask. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of success in other mountains, but we've also we've had to you know turn back before. Right. So we know what we know what it's about. You know, like live another day is, is my motto. Um, right. You know, you, you got to know what enough is enough. No, that's no mountains worth it. And not, getting, not when you're with your kid. No, getting to the top's one thing, but you've got to get down. You right. know, I guess it's like building a business. You know, it's one thing building it up and having a successful business, but you too can, can go backwards, you know, if you don't keep your eye on the ball. Right. Um, so, yeah, similar to a mountain, you know. You, wow, what a story. And you wrote a book about it. Yeah, look, um, with all the events of what happened on Everest, yeah. um, you know, we had a, unfortunately had a few people on the expedition die. And um, even our high-altitude cameraman was uh, Lincoln Hall, who was... We, in the end, we had to leave for dead on the top. After he'd summited, he came back down and was suffering um, high-altitude sickness. Um, and look, we thought he was dead. The Sherpas thought he was dead, and he was left there. And it wasn't until 24 hours later um, that he was rescued and alive and survived. Um, wow! You know, which really makes you wake up to life and look at things a little bit different when you've had someone very close to you die and come back to life. So I mean, that that just must transform. Uh, it's one thing to transform an adult's thinking. It, it has to have had a significant impact on your son. Yeah, it has in many ways. Um, you know, he's still quite adventurous, but um, yeah, look, he, he still thinks about going back to Everest. But um, it's changed his view, like mine, I guess, on life, yeah. um, business, and what you should do and make the most of everything. Um, you know, I think 
climbing mountains and gaining sponsorship that you need to climb them yeah. um, teaches you a lot about business itself. Oh yeah, it's the hard end of the of the sales side of things, I guess. Right. You know uh, that that side of it anyway. Wow, what a, what a story! That's that's really incredible. So, uh, what what's always interesting to me is is the incredible stories of people in our industry, and so you also own and manage our uh, our managing director of a record center operation that has multiple locations. So, tell me a little bit about the story of getting into this business. Well, um, after Everest, I wrote a book, and um, I guess I was at a bit of a loose end after writing it, and everything like that. Um, another business that, that I was involved in, in the building game, sort of went a bit quiet and I was at a bit of a loose end and looking for, I guess, something new. Yeah. Um, certainly something reasonably relaxed for a while compared to what we'd been doing. Um, and and a, a sales position basically was was uh, up for grabs with a, a very small company in Sydney, um, Australia, um, called Document Management Solutions. Um, it was a, a one-man show, pretty much. Right. Um, a few casuals here and there, but uh, very small business. Um, I came to it when it only had about 5,000 boxes. Um, and look, uh, I guess I, I, immediately I saw the potential in it yeah. and, and thought, this is a great business. Well, um, if, you, if you've got a business mind and if you come from a business background, you see this business and, and the lights, if they go off, they go off really brightly. Yeah, look, I've, I've been involved in a lot of businesses. I've yeah. never seen anything like records management. Yeah. I guess it's a bit tougher at the beginning than a lot of things. You can't necessarily, you know, make that big profit at the beginning. But yeah. put in the hard yards yeah. and it's there. And if you can see that, it's the best business in the world. Yeah, yeah. And it's an exciting business. It, it's, it, you see it grow. You know, it's, it's like nothing else that um, I've ever been involved in. So you went as, in as a sales <coughs> rep, though. So how did you become the managing director? Um, my partner needed more equity into the business, or he, he needed, you know, we, the business needed cash flow, I guess, was, okay. was, it, was what it boiled down to at the end of the day. And, um, you know, we, we joined forces, I guess, in a, in a way, um, with me carrying out the sales side of it and, um, and him doing the operations and grew the business um, up until about a year ago, um, where we were in a situation where we'd got too big for the space that we had in the warehouse. and we had to move and that, that was actually probably a, a step backwards in one way in business because we you know the, the planning wasn't there I don't think my partner actually realized that the business was going to grow right as big I think he hoped it would but you know maybe the planning wasn't quite right at the beginning right. uh, I don't know um, but you know at the end of the day the move had to take place which took a lot of my time um, and took me away from sales but put me into the operations end of it right. um, and I realized that look you know this business is great yeah um, it, it can really go places. Um, it needs a lot of effort, and um, I'm prepared to put that in. And uh, hence, I took took forth from there, and um, basically now run the company. Um, and yeah, you know, we've expanded quite well. So uh, you you're in you have one major record center, but uh, you also have alt alternate locations or other locations. Tell me a little bit about the growth of that sort of model. Yeah, look, we um, started off in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's our I guess our head office and yeah. and, and, and and the key for, for starting a business in records management probably is Sydney I guess most of the time, um, and we, we started taking on some pretty good name clients that um, had business in Brisbane and Melbourne, um, and therefore the opportunity was there. They were asking us, you know, can you service us in you know Brisbane and Melbourne? Right. 
Um, so we took it and ran with it, I guess. Um, maybe not as big as Sydney, but look, you know, now we, we have got, you know, operations in Brisbane and Melbourne, be them small, um, be them growing, um, but we can offer to, you know, major clients, yeah. you know, facilities in, in three states now. Wow, that's that's great. So, uh, the to me the juxtaposition of of the climbing life and business life must to you bring some very solid philosophy, uh, some ways of thinking. How has your climbing, your life in climbing mountains affected you running a business? Excuse <coughs> me. Um, it's it's affected me, I guess. I'm a very focused person. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like to summit a mountain. I like to get to the top, and I like I like to see business grow, and I like to have goals. But also know, you know, that risk has got to be totally assessed and calculated, at both in business and in life. Right. And um, you know, you can go in too hard and too cheap, um, and things might not be quite what they you know appear to be uh, a business growing too fast can be dangerous just like climbing a climbing mount everest too fast can be dangerous right. you know if you don't acclimatize you've got a high chance of dying basically well, it's, i think it's the same philosophy in business that if you run too fast and get it up and going too quick even with a lot of capital um it can still be your downfall we've seen some pretty big companies over the last year or two yeah you know fall on their feet fall on their face um you know basically right. where they tried to grow too quick even with you know massive amounts of capital yeah so take i mean one of the lessons is uh know your risk uh, how fast you can move forward what what else is has it how else has it affected you? Um, it uh it, it affects it, it affects your motivation you, you're motivated different ways i guess when you've climbed a mountain of the, the style of mount everest um you you, you know you, you commit two months of your life okay. to the mountain Okay. Um, pretty much, and that's just Mount Everest. That's not with other mountains like McKinley with three weeks and other things like this. But that's just it, the actual climb. That's that, not that, all the planning. That's state. not the planning. That that's that's not the training. Right. That's none of that. So I, I guess you become a good planner. Okay. Um, you know, we, we hear it so often. Business plans. You know, don't start a business without a business plan. Well, you know, I, I never used to bother with that stuff like most people um, in my twenties and that in, in, in early days of even right. reasonable sized business, but. Um, after after climbing enough mountains in enough different situations, you, you realise that planning is a very important part of everything you do. Um, and and I do plan, you know, what we're doing in business. Not all, all things go to plan, but yeah, yeah, we we try and plan. And I think that's that's a real thing that, that the mountains have brought to business for me is plan. Um, the, the downside on that is, I guess, when I go on holidays, I don't want to plan. I just want to take <laughs> off. And I tend to do things <laughs> on, a, on the spare of a moment um, versus business plans and things like that. But, yeah. yeah, planning is a really important thing in business. And, you know, it, it's knowing the numbers, you know, as well. Knowing the numbers, that's all part of planning. You know, having having the books. I mean, the, the great thing the reckless management industry is that, unlike any other business I've been involved in, there's stability in your cash flow. Yes. You, you can... Yeah. You can pretty much know what the minimum is you're going to get next month, as is you're in the building game or anything like that. You know, it's up and down, right. you know, politics, economics, all sorts of things affect you greatly. Um, we rode through the, the financial, global financial crisis, whatever name we want to give it. Yeah. It was bad for everyone in every country, but 
we rode it without any problem. I guess we didn't suffer from it. We just didn't grow as quick as we right. would have. Right. And, um, and that's that's the universal theme in this industry is that it's it's been yeah there's been dips and declines, but man, it's it's a solid it's a solid foundation to stand on. Absolutely, and and, and it's exciting to look at the long term, the longevity of the business when you. You, you walk down an aisle of your records management center and you see these boxes and it says, do not destroy. Right. And all I can think of is grandchildren. <laughs> hey, great. You know, like there's a business here. I yeah. can't do that in any other business I've been involved in. I no. can't see it right there in front of me. Right. You know, cold, hard money, definitive, going to come in. Yes. It yeah. will be there. Yeah. So are you exploring and expanding uh, your service offerings? Tell me uh, sort of the product lines that you're running. Well, we started off in, in basic box storage like most record centers do. Um, that was the key business to start with. Um, we naturally do destruction, shred yeah. bins and you know, box destruction. Um, we've recently expanded out into uh, media and, and looking after server backup tapes and, and the really? like. Um, hard drives, we'll, we'll look at anything, put it in a vault. Um, we also have climate control area for medical records to, to meet you know, the requirements. Um, there's, you know, imaging is a, is a thing of the future, so we're looking at that. It's um, it's something that we're getting asked about, therefore we need to address it. Right. Um, I don't think it's going to wipe out the paper industry in any way, shape, or form, but it, it's an accessory to it at the moment, and it's something that we can um, certainly, you know, lend lend to the advantages of it. And um, I think it goes hand in hand anyway. And uh, why not, you know? It's going to be the future eventually, but it's yeah. going to be a long way away. Yeah. If we're involved in it now, we're not going to be, you know. How, how much is compliance affecting uh, your business right now? Do you, do you see that having a significant effect? Uh, we, we see it in the U.S. a lot, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what the, the current reality in Australia is and how that's sort of pushing business or not. Yeah, look, in, in Australia, I mean, I think it's a bit more laid back in, yeah. certainly in the records management industry. I mean, there's lots of other industries where it's not. You know, you get into the building industry and things like that, where OH and S is, you know, occupational health and safety is just a, a, yeah. a, a yeah, increasing nightmare of paperwork, I guess. Um, yeah. Which you know, compliance for other industries is having a kick-on effect with us because there's more and more paperwork. Right. Um, workers' compensation claims, any any injury at work now. Most of our clients are just saying, "Do not destroy it." They, they can't afford the risk. Right. You know, 50 years down the track, someone gets. Right. Some sort of lung condition from asbestos or whatever, you know, the lawyers want to know where it came from, etc. Whether there was any precondition, all this sort of thing. So they can't afford to destroy paperwork like they used to. So right. I think the longevity that side of it's there. Um, but you know, as far as actual restrictions on us, th there's not a lot. Yeah. You know, the, the, there's certain compliance that has to be met. But yeah, there's certainly a lot less. I think than, than what um, America has. So, have you uh, in your business growth? Uh, have you very uh, have you focused on specific industries? Are you kind of doing it for everybody, or do you have a real niche that you work in? We we do have a niche that we work in. It's probably something I'd like to keep to ourselves. Absolutely, it's real real. But good but you niche. are very yeah. But you're um, very focused on an industry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Look, you know, we we'll take anything from anywhere. Yeah, like anyone. A absolutely. Um, but the, the, there is, you know, look, we're a small business and service orientated more than yeah. anything. Um, you know, we, we try to go out of our way yeah. to, to really look after our clients and give them the best possible service like I guess most companies think they do, right. um, but don't always do. Yeah. So, yeah, look, you know, the, there's a few little niches in the, in, in the industry that 
probably are untapped, particularly by some of the bigger players. Um, I guess a lot of the time they're too big for them and they yeah. don't want to deal with them. Um, and you go exploit that. We exploit that, absolutely. Good for you. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So somebody comes up to you at a conference um, and they say to you, I'm thinking about getting into this business. What would you tell them based on your last number of years experience in it? Well, Tom, it's really interesting. You know, at the conference, um, got talking to a guy standing beside me, you know, as you do at conferences. And um, I, I really did not expect to talk to someone who was just getting into the industry at, right. at, a, at an annual conference. I really didn't, yeah. um, let alone someone that, you know, had a couple thousand, three thousand boxes yeah. and sort of, you know, opened up and told me that. And I thought, hey, this is great. I've been there. I know where yeah. you're at, you know. Yeah. Um, we start, I started out in the business with, you know, not much more than that. Um, and he did it from scratch, and he, he he basically did it the same way as my my business partner started the business. He was in the in the uh, moving game, um, and it just stumbled across it. Right. And as things have sort of probably gone a little bit sideways in the moving game, well, not so much sideways, maybe just a bit up and down. There's no real stability there right. for him. He's taken a good look at reckless management. Now, what did I say to him? Look, I try to give him as much encouragement and motivation as I can because, you know, I, I think it's an incredible business, um, and it. You know, it has the ability to change your life. Yeah. Um, it has the ability to give you freedom of a business that very few businesses do. It's the sort of business that eventually it can run on its own. Um, it's certainly given me the freedom to, to travel a lot more than what I previously was able to in other businesses. Yeah. Um, so look, you know, when I met this this guy and um, he told me, you know, he was getting out started in, in the industry. Yeah. Look, I try to give him as much advice as I can on the pitfalls that we've had, yeah. um, particularly in the initial setup and planning. And, and, you know, I could probably spend hours and hours talking to him um, and still not, not pass on everything, all the mistakes that, oh. that have been made in our business from the beginning, like so often happens. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they look at, you know, all I could say was, you know, go for it more than anything else. Yeah. Get out there and do it. So if somebody comes to you at a conference and says they want to go mountain climbing, what advice do you give them? And they've never done it before. Well, it's, it's funny. I get asked that quite a bit. I often get an email yeah. I'll shoot through from, from one of our websites that sort of someone will say, I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro. You know, what advice can you offer me? And things like that. Um, if, if someone's never climbed anything before, you know, it's, it's like anything. Get the experience right. and start down low. Um, don't, you don't go and climb Mount Everest um, before you've climbed a lot of other mountains. I know people do it, and unfortunately, you know, with money the way it is today, there's people out there that'll take people to the top of the likes of Mount Everest for just money, um, without much consideration for really for for their experience. Right. But you know, mountaineering's it's 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 a totally different ball game to to any other. We don't even like to call it a sport. I guess it's just it's mountaineering. Um, right. And and you need you need the foundations just like you do in business. Um, you, you need good good planning but you need you know you need to know what you're doing and i always recommend going with a guide to start with and getting some basic experience and building up from there and yeah take it easy one yeah. step at a time just i guess like we were talking about before about you know not expanding too quick climbing a mountain is the same sort of thing get the experience up don't go too hard too fast too soon very cool so how do you make a molehill into a mountain okay well you know i guess i I had this little thing about molehills and mountains instead of making a mountain out of a molehill I like to make you know the other way around um, we, you start a records management business with literally nothing right. you know a molehill is about three feet high I like to think yeah you know three boxes stacked on top of each other it doesn't take long before you can make that a mountain 
30,000 boxes stacked one on top of the other is about the same height as Everest. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So my, my goal is sort of focused a little bit around that. Very cool. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's, that's such a cool concept. Yeah, you're aiming for the 30,000 boxes in your early days. It's like aiming for your first try at Everest. You might not make it to the top. You might not get there, yeah. but um, certainly where you're aiming. Well, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I, I love hearing uh, in our stories and the people who are involved in this industry, the unique perspectives they bring in. And obviously the mountaineering stuff is such a passionate s- spot in your existence and in your life that it, it's very cool to hear how, that, how you've brought that to your business. Uh, I, I suspect I know the answer to this, but in case it might be something different. If you had a, a complete day, and, and it sounds like you might not even be able to do it in a day, but if you had a day to do anything you wanted, what would you do? Wow, too many things. I could never, I could never get them all done in a day. <laughs> um, oh, look, you know, my, my, my passion is mountaineering and, and climbing normally takes longer than a day, yeah. but I, I guess there's just, you know, everything from flying down to probably Antarctica and, you know, quickly rushing up Mount Vincent, which you don't normally do, but I guess if money was no object and the weather was perfect, you could possibly do something like that. Um, you know, so many, so many things. Yeah. I guess yeah, I can think like, of, I have a... Sounds, sounds know, like you have an unlimited supply of opportunity Absolutely. in terms of what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to spend with us to tell your story in a brief way. I know I wish I had hours to talk, but... Uh, we have a short time but thank you for taking the time it's been a pleasure to hear your story hear about you and uh, continue success in all the mountains you're going to be building and climbing thank you Tom Hey, that was great. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I I really want to thank Richard Harris for sharing his story with us, Uh, the story of his rim business, the story of his mountaineering expeditions, and all the stuff that interrelates in his life and his world as a result. That was a great show, great conversation. And I want to thank you for being a part of the show this week. It's uh, always great to have you aboard. Uh, I'm glad we can share really cool stories with you, stories that uh, are different than yours, but I hope in some ways can give you some sort of either idea, some sort of of motivation, some sort of belief that if these people can do it, then you can as well. And maybe uh, if you've got something that you want to share with us, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have you on the show. Hey, as we finish the show this week, let me remind you that we're sponsored by those uh, great people at O'Neill Software. They've got technical support and customer service you can count on. This includes regional coverage in the Americas, Europe, Middle East, Africa, uh, as well as throughout the Asia-Pacific region. And uh, they're there uh, making things happen for their clients. And if you're interested in becoming a part of that community, of that really cool software company, you can learn more about them at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, that's it for us. We are out of here. Looking forward to a great show next week. I'd love for you to join us. So check us out again at RimProReport.com. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. Where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.